Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in to episode 311 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network today. Uh, a tough show. It's a very tough show. We got some stuff to get off our chest, uh, breaking down essentially the current state of affairs in uh, Lexington with Kentucky basketball team falling at home 94-91 in overtime to the Florida Gators, a team Kentucky has already beaten, did so on the road, a go-ahead three-pointer in the final minutes. Uh, the Gators return to Lexington and return the favor in their revenge matchup uh, back here in, in Lexington. So Sean Smith of Go Blue Blue Country, first and foremost, how the heck are you feeling one day later? <laughs> I'm I'm good. And, and that's that's what I was telling you before we went live here is I can't there's a there's a balance there's a line here to where had Kentucky pulled that game out last night sure I, I feel better about resume and I feel better about you know a, a win but it, it doesn't it wouldn't have changed the fact of some of the issues that are happening still discipline wise on the defensive end of the floor so like I'm I'm trying to find a middle ground here to where I can't you can't overreact to the fact that they they didn't hit a free throw and win it late and then you can't kind of overreact to that it, it's not a big deal also like it's there's there's some it's somewhere in the middle and that's going to be the balance I'm going to try to find over the next hour. Yeah, that that's about how I feel because it does feel like everything since then if you were to look at social media and message boards and just general day-to-day conversation um it's I mean the sky is falling this feels probably the closest we've gotten to the UNC Wilmington loss where, I mean, I think there was a reactionary take to that one because of the opponent itself. And I think the timing more than anything is what uh, is causing such a ruckus with this one. Um, So we, I I think my job over the next hour, uh, because I've been doing some digging all day long, just historically what this means, why we probably shouldn't be so reactionary, at the macro level, but probably pretty hard on them in the at the micro level. We want to judge individual mistakes at the end of the game and kind of what led to that point. I think that's where uh, our job comes in while also kind of uh, understanding and grasping what it means in the big picture where in terms of this team being 15 at five at this point in the season, it really doesn't indicate one way or another whether this team is going to be a title contender by year's end. So we had a lot to get to a lot off of our chest. Um, let's start with the game specifically itself, uh, how things broke down. You lead by four with 37 seconds to go. You and I are sitting next to each other on press row at Rep Arena, feeling pretty pretty solid about it. You, you feel pretty good in that moment thinking Kentucky's got this one locked up. It wasn't pretty, but they figured out a way to get to the triple zeros with – more points than the other team. And that's kind of what the vision has been with this group the whole time. And they did it again, did it again. And then the nightmare scenario unfolds where uh, Rob Dillingham goes one for two at the free throw line. We 
have talked about ad nauseum basically ever since that moment, the decision whether or not to foul, uh, Cal's explanation about not fouling, what it, what that means, um, and then giving up the three-pointer to send it to overtime and then just not having enough gas there uh, in the extra period to you know pull, pull that one out and go, come out on top. Sean, this is why you're here. This is how you earn the big bucks. Uh, put on your coaching hat, man. What what happened in those final few seconds, and what would you have done differently? Well, it, it's hard, like because because coaching's different and things, and and everyone's different, and everyone's ingrained in who they are and their philosophy. But Cal's not wrong when it comes to the amount of time that they had. But then when you look at it, that shot came with you know five seconds to go. So like you you still could have. My thing was more not with that possession, but with when I thought there should have been a timeout called when Florida cut it to two and Reed Shepard is inbounding the basketball. And I know I've been a big fan of late in game early in the season, Reed Shepard being the trigger man. I said it because of his IQ, his ability to get the ball where you want it to go. But here's the flip side of this. And yes, Antonio Reeves would be an excellent option to get the basketball to when it comes to free throw percentage and knocking down free throws. But I have seen Reed Shepard go to the line in some pressure-packed moments at Texas A&M, on the road at Florida. You even saw Cal last night after that. Why did Reed not get the ball? Like, you could read his lips on the bench when Rob was going to the line. Like, even he knew Reed Shepard should be at the free throw line right now. Not that he doesn't trust Rob. It's just you've had the blueprint to know how to close these situations out. And the guy that had done it wasn't the guy going to the line. Now, before I get into it a little deeper, Jack, we we can talk about Rob's second missed free throw, but let's, let's, we, we've had other missed free throws in this game too. Trey Mitchell missed one like late. Like There's other areas. It's just Rob's is magnified more because of the moment and where it came. But when you, you pull it apart, there's other issues. But in that moment, Florida cuts it to two. I'm calling timeout, and here's the reason why. You have two. How many did Kentucky take to overtime with them? Two. Both of them. I'm taking one there. I get wanting to get it in quick and not let them set up their pressure, but at the same time, you're already down, DJ. You're already down a lead guard. You kind of want to get it where you want to go, and you want to have a plan. But also in that full timeout, you've got 60 seconds to then have a little bit more of a discussion about what you want to do next. You can talk about with your assistants, if I'm up two, what are we doing? If I'm up three, what are we doing? If we're up four, what is the game plan? You at least have some time to kind of digest some of it, but you could see it on the fly. There was a discussion going on when Rob was at the free throw line after the first one. I don't know if that was a should I call a timeout after the second made free throw or do we foul if he misses this? That's just a lot to go over on the fly. That's situational basketball that I'm hopeful that they're going over in practice. But even if you're going over it in practice and you've not been in it before, that felt like a good time to use one of those two timeouts to kind of make sure. And with basketball, Jack, it's not just the possession you're playing. You've got to talk the next one, too, and kind of be a possession or two ahead about where you want to go and be thinking about it because a lot of stuff was in play in that moment. So it unfolds the way we saw. Um, they bring it down. The guy that had hit six up to, or I think, five up to that point, this being his sixth gets a clean look. Um, it was the one thing. Okay. If you, if this is your mindset, if this is Kyle said this after the game, if we're all, if we are making the executive decision to not foul again, 
I think a lot of fans have forgot that this is how the UNC game closed. They opted to not foul up three, and Elliot Cadeau bounced it off the UN, his teammates' ass to lose that game. We have a precedent set already with this season where they do – they, they did kind of establish an identity. So whether you do it or not, the, the data is all over the place. Depending on what expert you ask, they'll say it's a no question, no brainer. You foul le- eight, less than eight seconds. Uh, some people say you you ride it out for momentum reasons, wh- whatever. It, it, that, that part is irrelevant. But if you are to make that decision, there is one clear consensus. You do whatever it takes to give up the layup, give up anything inside the perimeter, but you better have that perimeter locked up. And what blew my mind, Sean, is you gave up the paint touch. Like they they got the paint touch and you thought in with seven seconds left, you thought this is kind of playing out the way that you want. And then you get the kickback, wide open look to the one guy who can't get that shot. It's, 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 it, it, that is the most inexcusable part of all of this is the one thing that you can't let happen to the one guy you can't allow it to happen for gets that look. It, it, that, that part is one that I know Reed is losing, lost sleep last night over it. I know that's something that just, it's, it's, it's inexcusable that, that if, if we're going to get big picture takeaways and discipline and where things are trending with this team, that clip is going to be in that team's nightmares for a long time. I think, I think Cal that probably kept Cal up late at night. If, if, if I could imagine. And and we've got some screen grabs of that exact play there, but here, here's the thing with, with it, Jack, you can't assume you can never assume that, that guys know, like that's where I'm talking about the timeout and in that timeout, up to before you've ever even inbounded the ball to get re- Rob at the free throw line through that timeout, your first, your first priority is get the ball inbounds and get fouled and get to the free throw line, take care of the basketball. And then you turn your discussion to, all right, if we're up three, we're either fouling or we're not fouling. If we're up four, here's what we're doing. Like you go through scenarios. You just can't assume that these guys know to stay attached in that situation. You would think so. Like you would think that they know that, but that's a regroup decision. And here's the thing that I've always been told. If you assume you make an ass out of you and me. So you just can't assume in that situation. And especially even with freshmen, uh, if you, if you guys got the screen grab there of that play or not, Jack, while they're putting it up and there, there's a lot, to, you're right. You're spot on the money. They get, they get the, the balls in the paint and they're, they ball watch. And it's not just read. It's a collective thing from the team ball watching. It was just Reed's man ended up being the guy with the hot hand that ends up getting it. So um, we'll see what we're looking at here when it gets pulled up. But what I guess when the, the more that I look back, is this it's one in regulation. I know we, we've seen a lot, so be patient with us here. But Jack, when, when you're looking at everything today, though, and with that play, isn't it the same stuff that we've been talking about for two weeks on this show, though, that it's just been lack of discipline on the defensive end of the floor? Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's the one thing that I continue to go back to where are is it a fundamental error with this group? Is it is it a fundamental issue with this group or is it a tech? Is it a mindset? Is it a, is it between the ears? That is the one thing that I really 
am am losing patience with and am confused by it, that that's that is discipline is very between the ears but it's also a how how fixable is that long term because you you thought that we made progress against arkansas and it if it, it, it was one step forward two steps back uh in, in all of the most crucial moments and it does make you think okay well how much of it was just Arkansas being terrible? Like you thought that you made steps forward and they, they genuinely didn't. So, um, so yeah, it, it was just a product of poor discipline. And I, and I think again, if we're, if we're taking big picture takeaways here, you love where things stand offensively. You, you have to feel very, very good long-term about where things stand there, but 11 games left in the regular season, Sean, you you would expect this team to be more disciplined than they are uh, at this stage. And, you know, at what point is the is it the the, the breaking point? Like when at what point do we just say this is not a disciplined basketball team? So um, that I, I'm really at a loss for words at, at that that part in particular is really, really throwing me off. And the one thing that's kind of making me hit pause with a lot of this. Yeah, it, it is, and and like I've I've said for weeks now that the the lack of discipline on the defensive end has been the biggest contributing factor to how bad this team is defensively, and it's been Rob, it's been Reed, it's been multiple guys across this roster that just continue to do it and continue to do it and continue to do it, and and now I mean you you have game film now that shows like hey this defensive mistake right here was crucial, it was critical to the to the result of the game and the and the outcome of the game. But the thing is, Jack, at some point you have to you have to learn from it. You can't just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. You you have to learn from it. And the next time you're put in that situation, you have to correct it and not let it happen again. And, you know, this is the this is the look right here. So this was the this was the possession that tied it and took it to OT. So right here, you've got the ball inside the three point line, but it's not just Reed. Yes, Reed's man hits the shot. Reed is not in good position here. I have no idea why Reed is not attached. To me, at that point in the game, you are giving up a two. A two does not beat you in that moment. A three takes it to OT. At least with a two, you got, you're got you taking the ball out of bounds. You're getting fouled. You're going right back to the free throw line. Hopefully you're getting somebody there. Or Rob gets back and he makes two. But look at Trey Mitchell. <clears throat> Heads turned, ball watching. You got Rob there. Everybody is just focused on the basketball. That is a – Ugo is standing right in front of him who has affected more shots in this game than Kentucky has affected <laughs> probably all season long. Rob just needs to just switch that thing, attach on the perimeter. Reed needs to be attached. Everybody needs to attach and just let Ugo affect the shot one-on-one. And that doesn't happen. They get the three, and then obviously the, the play that follows. And, and you can – I'm not as nitpicky on – what happened with three seconds to go about whether or not you should take the timeout. Most coaches, it, it just depends on what they want to do. They like the randomness of getting the ball out and going. Now, Kentucky did turn it over, Jack, and, and gave Florida at least a heave at the at the horn. Like, I, I don't know if it would have counted or not. I didn't go back and kind of look at it second by second. But in that situation, you probably – I've always been with five seconds or more, just play it out and go. But if it's down to three, two and a half, two seconds, I'm probably taking a timeout and trying to get the ball advanced to where I want to get it. But if you do take it out and, and you call a timeout there, you run the risk of turning it over 
and giving somebody a head of steam. Like they're, it's a lot. It's a lot of things and a lot of decisions to be made. I felt like Kentucky kind of mishandled what happened before that more than what it did with three seconds left in a tie game, if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, I, I think Stephen has another one dialed up if you want to go with that one too. Okay, let's move on to that one. Surprise me here. Oh, that's the okay. Yeah, Just freeze the frame, Stephen, as the as the screen as the ball screen comes with Rob, right there. So that's just a straight line drive, like that's not even a screen there. That's just giving up a straight line drive. Look at the score; you're up to under four to play, and you get a wide open shot. I mean, I know Ugo's there contesting it, but still, you just cannot give up straight line drives. Look at how much time's on the clock, Jack. Twenty four seconds to go on the shot clock. Go just a little bit further back, Stephen. I mean, it's just a straight line drive. Like Rob just gets beat. So not only is it just lack of discipline late in clock, up to straight line drive, boom. It's just uh, it's a lot of stuff on the defensive end, and it's just a lot of lack of discipline is happening. So they go into overtime, uh, obviously turns into, uh, you know, back and forth like it was the entire game where, uh, you know, it, it is it, – it, the, the margin of error is so thin with this team that it, it did kind of feel like that extra overtime period was just kind of all of that encapsulated in one five-minute period where, uh, you know, both teams shot poorly. One team made one, you know w- – made one, you know, executed just a hair better than the other, and it led to the win. And, and it feels like that's kind of where things stand with this team, that you love where things stand with them offensively. You love their identity, and you believe in them long-term to be able to get what they want against pretty much anybody in college basketball. But when the defense is so poor and, and, and discipline is so bad that you do kind of live on a tightrope where – things can swing so quickly either direction and it's just not a sustainable thing. And, and so long-term it does feel, and I have a bunch of stats and numbers and, and history that I'll, I'll get into, but um, it, it does Sean feel like we are at a crossroads with this team of this thing can go really, really South very, very quickly, or they can get back on the right track and continue to beat the hell out of teams that they should be beating the hell out of and waltz into the NCAA tournament as a three seed and, you know, control their own destiny from here. It's, I am not personally panicking about the 15 and five record right now or the individual losses. I could not care less about who Florida is and what their identity is and how we lost to them. Florida was a team that was 14 and Sean coming into this one and quad two to quad four matchups. They have not had a single bad loss on the year, but they were zero and six in quad one opportunities. Absolutely desperate to get their own statement victory after we had already beaten them down in Gainesville when they kind of had their first shot at us for a, a statement victory. So as they're trying to build their resume right now, they're in the tournament field, but are they one of those teams or just another 11 seed? Like what, what, what is Florida going to be? They needed something like this. So the takes about Florida being a quad two and that, well, they haven't won in two, two, a quad one game in two years could not give less of a 
rat's ass about that. I, I just, I, I just don't care. My, my issue is we are now 11 games left in the regular season. And this team is doing something that we have seen very, very rarely uh, in the history of uh, John Calipari, the era, John Calipari era uh, leading by 3.8 points per game at 88.7 points per contest. Um, eighth most in program history and second most in the past three decades. Uh, of the teams that scored more, six of the seven made it to the Sweet 16 or deeper with two Elite Eights and two Final Fours, won a national title. Um, five of those six allowed more points per game than Kentucky. So we have a historic precedent set of high-octane offenses that give up a lot of defense that still find ways to make runs in March. So that is that is there for us. On the flip side, only nine teams have had worse defensive scoring numbers, none since 1990 or 91. And of that group, four of them missed the NCAA tournament completely, while five made runs to the Sweet 16 twice, Elite Eight twice, and, a, and the title game once. So we right now is kind of the make or break point of this year where Steven asked in our own personal chat is the possibility of them missing the NCAA tournament on the table. Technically. Yeah. Like if, if there, there are six quad one games coming up, Sean, and if you don't take care of business in those and you go on a real heater of a losing streak, they will miss the tournament. Like where they, they have positioned themselves where they didn't do themselves any favors up to this point, And now uh, if if you crumble down the stretch, you are on the cusp of of missing it. On the flip side, nothing historically indicates that they can't go win a national championship right now. Like there is nothing in the history of this program to say that. Well, once they have lost three games at home, that means that you you have decided your own fate, buddy. You're screwed. Cats are cats are screwed. None of that that is not the case here. So. It comes into a, are you a glass half full or half empty person? Do you believe in their offense so much that you just kind of hope that the discipline ramps up to where it needs to be to just be, again, just enough, just don't have to be elite, just have to be enough? Or do you think that the lack of discipline is going to be the one thing that continues to deteriorate things down the stretch and uh, kills what should be a Final Four team's chances of making a run? It depends on which way you look at it, but there's no evidence up to this point to indicate it's a certainty one way or the other. So you shouldn't have that feeling of, well, we're screwed. That's where I stand right now. Just some a little bit of perspective of it's okay to be pissed off and be frustrated and fan how you got a fan for this individual moment. But if you have any macro level reactionary takes, I would I would hit pause. Yeah, and you know, I was telling you all in the group chat today. Uh, this, this afternoon, just just talking about, you know, last year and, and this year. And we talked a ton about needing the offensive philosophy to change. And to Cal's credit, it has. I mean, it's it's changed significantly. But I guess the one thing that I just didn't see happen that happening that maybe we overlooked a little is the defensive numbers have kind of face planted over the last four years. I don't know if that's a shift in the way the game's being played and Kentucky's just having – trouble defending playing in space as well. But you see a lot of coaches, you know, that have traditionally been really good defensive coaches that have kind of shifted and, and, and struggled at times the last few years. Now, with this team, I told you earlier, they can beat anyone, 
but I also think they're capable of losing to just about anyone. Now, last year, they were capable of losing to anyone, but they couldn't beat everyone. This team, I think, can line up and beat every single team in college basketball. But they could also lose to a large percentage of those teams, too. That's the difference here. And that makes it even more, to me, frustrating and, and kind of puts me on the edge and a little nervous going into tournament play is I just don't – there's got to be some confidence built within what they can do on the defensive end over the next five to six weeks. I keep talking about putting a stretch of it together for two or three weeks and showing that you can defend at a high clip if they just fix the discipline issues and clean up those things. I think that this team at least trends in a direction with the, what they're doing offensively that they they would win some of these games and they would, they would have had a game that they won at A&M. They would have beaten Florida last night. Now South Carolina was a completely different conversation. That was just bad. Yep. I'm not even going to even get into that. That was the one that I was like, eh, last night was the one that I look back on and it actually felt different than the others to me because I was like, this one I'm a little let down because you just don't lose this game. You don't lose to Florida on your home floor. And then you kind of look at the Wilmington loss in December now a little differently. Like it it makes you wonder if it if maybe we should be paying attention that this team lost to a quad three at Rupp Arena, regardless of whether DJ Wagner played or not. That's now two home games with DJ not playing that they've lost, there at least has to be some discussion made about that. Now, I think that there's another play that Steven and Daniel have have loaded up here uh, to talk about, and this one came in OT, Jack. So I came, I talked the other day that this game brings you full circle, and you get put right back in some similar situations here. And with this one, it's you you have a lead, but you give up another one here just because of some lack of discipline and, and, and where you're wanting to go. Uh, this So Kentucky's up 87-86, 143 to go in OT. Like you said, Jack, today in text to me, they def, they, they've put on some possessions where they'll defend for 20 to 25 seconds and there's a breakdown late. So go back to the first frame here and you get the ball handler makes a pass out. Now watch Reed. I'm not trying to pick on Reed Shepard. I've picked on Rob Dillingham last week. Watch Reed just stop playing here. Adu has a hard close out there. Reed stops playing. Reed's man goes corner. The guy that literally just hit a three to take you to OT. Reed tries to get out there and contest. But listen, this is Division I college basketball, Power 5, SEC. These guys make shots. And you've watched this guy do it all night, but you fall asleep for just a second, a split second, and you look up and you're down 89 to 87 because of it. And you never get back to where you want to go. Like, that's the attention to details and the, the lack of discipline and things that I'm talking about. You can't just play for 23 or 24 seconds. You've got to play for the full 30 here because if you stay solid, you get a rebound here and you're up one with the ball and a chance to kind of get get something and, and maybe at least apply some pressure to Florida there. Instead, now it flips and all the momentum's in Florida's hands. And that, that those are the plays that I just don't trust this team to make right now to win these games against quality opponents. And that was my biggest gripe last night because I remember how many times that I'd look over to you and say, Rob is guarding his ass off right now. He, I mean, look, look at him digging and fighting. And I mean, just, and then four seconds left on the shot clock leads to a, a wide open three. And you're like, what was the disconnect there from seven seconds left to four? So, 
yes, this team is bad defensively, but how much of it is a result of just understanding that high-level college basketball, if you don't guard 30 full seconds, you're going to get you're you're going to get beat. Like that's just the reality of the beast. That, that that's the nature of this beast of college basketball. So, I Last year, you wondered where in the world are points coming from, Sean. Like, that was a group that you, you said earlier they could lose to anybody, and you didn't really feel great about them beating just anybody in college basketball either because you didn't know if it, you had to rely on Antonio Reeves to save the day or, well, I hope Case and Wallace can go off or I hope Oscar Sheboy can go for 35 and 24, but I don't feel anything in me to indicate that that group is going to go out and score enough to win this game, even if they're okay defensively. I know that whatever is thrown out there is probably going to work on the, on the offensive end while understanding "Mm, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a track meet on the defensive end. They're going, we just got to give up one fewer bucket than, than, than we, we score and, and we win. So if, if it is just a matter of, we score X number of points. We just got to lock in for the full 30 seconds of, of, a, of a shot clock. If, if it's as simple as that in a vacuum, maybe that's where the optimism comes from. And maybe that's where the click aha moment comes for them. I, w- I, I just feel much more confident than if it was a, a, a defensive juggernaut that Kentucky has versus an offensive juggernaut. Which one you trust in March and which one needs to score points and which one needs to give up fewer points. What I trust more I'm glad that the foundation is set on the offensive end is as frustrating as it is with the lack of discipline on the defensive end. That that That's where a lot of my long-term optimism comes from. Yeah. And, and if you, if you fix some of the disciplinary things, I think a lot of the other things kind of clean itself up and then you can finally start to kind of work on some things and, and kind of figure out maybe an identity of where you are. And I, I think that they developed an identity last night in a loss, like they have rim protection. They they were good enough defensively from two-point range to win that basketball game last night. Three-point line was obviously the difference. Florida got to the free throw line, made free throws. But Ugo added something defensively at the rim and affected the game. And there were a number of shots that Florida didn't make that he didn't get a hand on. Just He just affected them with his length. And, you know, this possession here, like roll, roll it back, Stephen, the the other four frames that, that you had there a second ago. And we can talk about some of the the other, you know, lack of discipline and, and stuff that, that you see. And, it, and it's not just Reed and it's not just Rob, Jack. It's literally a lot of guys. And you you have right there, you got Ugo obviously coming over, one, attempting to block a shot if there's a floater there. Reed stops playing. A dude's got a, a great hard closeout. Roll to the next one. And then, I mean, right here, you have Antonio Reeves with his with his completely just turned and facing the ball. Like, I mean, there's just there's little things like that, and that, that's the stuff that I look at as a coach: the attention to detail. How are your feet? What is your positioning? I go back to the very first frame of that too, because I want to think there was somebody. I mean, the, the biggest thing to me, Jack, is just the ball watching that takes place right here. Antonio Reeves completely turned with his body facing the ball. Instead of being able to see ball, see man, you, you know, you can be there in help, but that's, and, and it didn't hurt Kentucky on this play because a dude did have a good closeout, but look at the defensive positioning that a dude's in compared to where Antonio's at. And then you roll the next tape or the next frame and a dude is in better position to get to a closeout. 
So it's just little things like that. And it always seems to be the one guy that's doing it that ends up being the guy that breaks down and gives up a basket. And it's not just Reed. It's not just Rob. It's multiple people on this roster that they break down in key moments. And this is where you're going to be in this same spot again. You're going to be in this spot probably Saturday night. You'll be in it against Gonzaga. You're going to be in it in the SEC tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Do you have the mental discipline enough to defend and stick together and do your job? That, to me, needs to be the the three words written on the board every single time Kentucky takes the floor the rest of the season. Do your job. Don't try to be a hero here. Just do your job. And if you're defending as five, I think that with the rim protection that we saw, and listen, that is no fluke last night from him. I got to eat some crow here a little bit. I think we all do because I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't think he could play on this team. I didn't, we said it. We said it I on the show. I didn't think he could play. I just didn't think he could play because I was getting so caught up in what they were doing with offensive spacing. But his value defensively is exactly what this team needs. You have rim protection now that should give these guys confidence to guard, but you have to guard disciplined. If you guard disciplined, you've got a guy now that can clean up some stuff behind you that's not been there. And he showed it last night. If they don't have him last night, they lose by 10 plus. They're not even in position to go to the free throw line to make them to go up four because the way that they were defending, he erased some at the rim that would have been baskets, and then he affected some that would have been baskets. They probably give 110 plus last night. But you want to know where Kentucky really lost the game, though? Hmm. You can't close uh, oh, 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 oh. Middle eight, last five, 5-0 run of close out the first half, 6-0 run to open the second. Bang. You, you just can't do that stuff. Like, Bang. You can't, you can't be up 10 and then take two bad shots back-to-back, let that thing get to five, but then you just let it bleed over even more to the point that Florida takes a one-point lead and goes on an 11-0 run on you. Like, you have to understand situational basketball. And that is more lack of discipline. It's not just lack of discipline defensively. It's lack of discipline all the way around. Kentucky, if Kentucky gets out of its own way, this team has enough talent and is good enough to compete for a national championship and make it to the final weekend. If it doesn't, then it'll say so-and-so beat Kentucky in whatever round of the NCAA tournament, but I'm going to probably go to bed saying Kentucky beat Kentucky because that is. there's been one game that I feel like they just got beat, and I thought South Carolina punked them a week ago, and Kentucky didn't respond to it. The other situations that they've been in, I go back to Kansas. They just didn't execute down the stretch in the Champions Classic. Now they weren't at full strength, but it's it's been something every game. And I feel like Kentucky has been the one that's been at fault the majority of the time when things have gone wrong. Clean it up and let's see what happens. Cleaning it up's not easy though. But it's going to take the staff coming together and really sitting down and showing these mistakes. But these guys have to respond and learn from it. You can't keep making the same mistake. And I do want to point out, and again, Kentucky is Kentucky. We're we we're not in a in a what aboutism mindset. Like we we're I, I when I say this, don't use this as a I'm comparing myself to San Diego State or St. Mary's. But understand that if we're going to cast off K 
Kentucky the way some of the nationalized that moron CBS uh, 25 and one uh, did. If we're going to cast Kentucky off for a loss, like we just experienced with, with, with Florida understand that also would disqualify number three, Arizona, number five, Tennessee, number six, BYU, number seven, Alabama, number 12, Illinois, number 14, Marquette, number 15, Creighton, number 16, Baylor, number 21, St. Mary's, number 22, San Diego state, and number 23, Michigan state, all five lost teams up to this point same 15 and five, whatever the, the mark is that apparently once you hit that point, you're absolutely cooked. There are only three teams in college basketball that are, have two losses up to this point. Number one, Houston, which looks like a legitimate powerhouse right now. Number two, Purdue, which damn near should have lost against Northwestern 30 minutes before Kentucky lost, uh, yesterday, UConn number, uh, number four and Utah, Utah state at number 20 they're not a threat. The, the, the three teams that are still seen as the, well, that that's a team you got to keep a close eye on. Everybody else is in the same ballpark as Kentucky of, yeah, they're good at these things, but they also struggle. There is not a single flawless team in college basketball where you look at them and go, I don't, I don't know what the plan would be against them. Houston's probably the closest that we've come to saying, that's a truly elite defensive team. And it would be really, you know, the way Kentucky struggles defensively, the way we've seen, you know, South Carolina muck things up against this offense. That's the one where you'd go, damn, that's a tough matchup. I don't know. I don't know how I would feel about that one, but the field is so unbelievably wide open. And when we use things like, well, they just ran through the regular season in the 2010 year, the understand that today's sec is on a different planet than what it was when Cal first got here. And I ran through and looked at some of the, the tournament numbers, Sean, it, it will blow your mind to know that our magical 2013, 14 year where the Harrison shots and all that three teams in the league made the tournament three. Like I watched five, that game the other day and I thought I, I knew you were going to go there as soon as you started talking about it. It's wild. Five teams, two of the best teams in Kentucky basketball history, 2012-2015. Five teams in the league made the tournament. As of right now, there are nine teams projected to be in the field, assuming Ole Miss doesn't just crap down their leg the rest of the season. Nine nine tournament-quality teams that are eating each other alive right now in conference play. A, what does that mean in the NCAA tournament of – who's going to stack up and, and all that. Like it's not an excuse, but understand that yesterday's game is not today's game. So we can't use 40 year ago stats to justify why this team can't make it. As you said earlier, it, it, when it comes down to do your job, I would rather have a team that the difference between them making it and not making it is do your job versus who the hell is going to score points. Two minutes left on, uh, on the game clock. I try. I can, I, I'm cool with all that stuff. Doing your job is something I can live with for them to figure out the last 11 games of the regular season. Yeah, I'm with you, honestly. And and this league is it's different. It, you're right. It's it's significantly different. Now you have two teams coming in here for a matchup that they're in positions that I didn't think they'd be in at this point in the league. Like I can, you know, Kentucky and Tennessee. Tennessee's lost some games there, obviously, and, and things. And you know, coming off a loss at home and stuff, but I didn't expect South Carolina to be where they are right now. 
Kentucky's got some tough games coming up here. And then this loss to Florida, quad one, quad two, whatever it is, it has a good shot, a good shot at probably climbing to a quad one. Like they're up in the net this morning and right there on the cusp of, of breaking through into quad one territory. It's just it's one of those things that that when you look at what's coming up the next couple of weeks, it just goes hand in hand with what I've been saying. You're going to face desperate teams. And listen, Florida, to me, what Florida did last night, Florida's probably going to do enough here down the stretch that that win last night is going to be what decides whether or not they get in the NCAA tournament here in about five or six weeks. Winning at Rupp Arena, getting a quad one win. They have no losses outside of quad one. They have no bad losses. If they pick up a couple more here down the stretch and get to three, four quad one wins by SEC tournament, that's an NCAA tournament team too. You're going to face more like that coming down the stretch here. Because what now, I just don't think that anyone really in college basketball is fearful of going on the road. Whether it's at North Carolina or it's at Duke or it's Kentucky or it's at Kent. I just think that we're college basketball so old. And a lot of these teams are old and they've played so much college basketball now that I think that everybody just kind of looks at it and goes, ah, we played in so many environments, like it's just another day. And Kentucky lost a quad three game at Rupp. They've now lost an SEC game at Rupp. They lost games at Rupp every year in recent years. Teams have confidence walking into your building. You kind of gotta gotta take that and know that you're getting everybody's best shot, even though you're at home. It's not just a sure win anymore, Jack. I think it's gonna be okay though. Like this, I'm glad they're playing Tennessee Saturday because I want to see how they respond against a team that I still think is trying to figure itself out, that I on this podcast went to their practice and talked about how good I thought they could be. Dalton Connect has lived up to everything that I talked about. It's just the rest of their roster hasn't. And that does make me a little worrisome going into Saturday, uh, given how Kentucky just lets guys get loose and go off. You can't let those other guys do it. And then you got to take the challenge of being able to stop one of the best scorers in college basketball. It's not just Tennessee, though. You get Gonzaga walking through that door in a week no, and a half. One. We you follow that up. Yeah. yeah, you follow that up and you go on a road trip to Auburn. Like you get Alabama coming to your place. Like there's no easy nights in this league. You got Ole Miss coming to town. Like you said, that's going to be a game for them that they're probably thinking, we get it. We might play our way into this thing. You go on the road to Mississippi State, a team that you beat at Rupp, that beat Tennessee in their building. They're playing for tournament lives. Like, you get to this point in the season and, and teams get desperate, man. You got to be desperate too. And to me, Kentucky's desperation starts on the defensive end. You got to be desperate to get this thing figured out, or you're going to be watching all these other teams playing second weekend, last weekend while you're sitting at home, figuring out what you're doing about your future. I'm not ready. I wouldn't be ready to make that decision. I want to watch this team play late into March and into April. But you got to fix the discipline things. And if they do it, the talent's there. This is one of the most talented teams we've seen collectively. It's there. They can do it. It's just they got to buy in together and get it done. And it starts with doing your job individually and then collectively. It's a very important couple of weeks. It's also a very couple uh, important uh, a, a couple of important uh, weeks coming up because there's a big game coming up. I know we're in the middle of basketball season, but happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. I, I don't know about you, Sean, but Super Bowl is my favorite time of year. I love the, the camaraderie. I like hanging out with my, with my friends. How excited are you uh, for, for Super Bowl? 
I love the Super Bowl. Wish the Packers were playing, but you know, <laughs> let watch that one slip away a couple weeks ago. But no, I, I love the Super Bowl. Obviously, we get to see the Kentucky football commercial and everything uh, come out and how they piece that together. But no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for this one and uh, interested over the next couple of weeks to see what direction you go in this one. Yeah. Uh, so the opening spread is two and a half in, in favor of the 49ers with our friends at, at FanDuel, the over under set at 47 and a half points. Are, are you, I know we're, we're a little bit early. We have some time to, to talk about this over the next two weeks to let this marinate a little bit, but th- is there anything that that's, that you're feeling right now, any early hunches, anything that uh, you, any, any individual players you're going to be banking on with our friends at FanDuel? I'm, I'm going Pat Mahomes hundred percent. Like I just feel like that it's just to the point with him that I just expect him to, to win big games. Plus I don't want the Niners to win. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I can't No, I'm, I'm going with the chiefs. I, I'm in a position of my life where, I'm start. I'm I'm having to understand the feeling from that I I was on the other side of this as a Patriots fan, and knowing how much I hate watching Kansas City just compete in the Super Bowl over and over and over again. Like I, I used to make fun of people like me back in the day, where I'm like, "Oh, suck it up. We're an elite team. We're a dynasty. You have to be able to enjoy the greatness." Now that that narrative is stupid. Like I I understand if you hate watching Kansas City. So I'm personally rooting for the 49ers. I'll be betting on the 49ers with our friends at, at FanDuel. My dad's a four, big 49ers fan. Lived out in uh, the Bay Area for a while. So uh, I'll be uh, I'll be rooting it on, rooting the the Niners and Brock Purdy on with them. So uh, make sure. You uh, utilize our, fr- our our friends at FanDuel. They're the absolute best. They have so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you will get $200 uh, in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL 21 and older and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sean, um, we didn't even get to really talk about DJ and Justin both being out. How much did that factor into this? Uh, I know DJ's on-ball presence has been a talking point. If you would name, you know, one of the, I know, I, I, I hate saying best of the worst, but the group as a collective unit isn't great. But if you are to name some of the highlights of that individual group, Antonio Reeves obviously uh, has has exceeded all expectations on, on the ball, and uh, obviously DJ is up there as well how much did that impact things and obviously we've been waiting for the emergence of justin edwards that's obviously hit uh, a little bit of a speed bump as well um somebody that you would hope could kind of lock things in and if if he were going to break through you'd think that it would come on the defensive end so where does that stand in the dynamic of us needing to do our jobs and uh you know kind of get that discipline breakthrough i think not having dj obviously was a big loss last night. I think I think DJ, to me, DJ makes a difference, especially down the stretch, you know, offensively and, and even defensively too. I think just decision making, he makes a difference, and Kentucky probably pulls that thing out when you're when you're without one of your starting guards. But 
I'm interested to see, and, and it kind of goes just, it, it goes in with everything that I said on the last episode that, that this feels like this happens every year where you're working guys in and then you think that you're back and then somebody else misses because of an injury or an illness or something. And, and there are factors that you just cannot control in the sport. But my hope is that there's not all kinds of shuffling here late February going into the SEC tournament. Like I want to see this team at its full group with some options and some lineup combinations and some things. I, I will say this more, more than about Edwards and Wagner. If you value Reed Shepard enough that you play him 45 minutes, you've got to make the switch now to just put him in the starting lineup. And I'm interested to see if that's what happens throughout this development over the last few days. It's because you clearly prioritized him enough and said he's good. He's too good for me to take him off the floor tonight. Now you can't play him 45 minutes and you can't play him 40 minutes. But if he's that valuable last night, he is that valuable on Saturday. He's that valuable on SEC games next weekend against Gonzaga, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Like some of the plays that he made getting to the rim, some of the floaters that he hit, the threes that he makes. He does some things defensively that are like make you cringe, but he's also he'll also contest and block a shot and get a piece of it and, and do some things, just hustle plays. If he gets more discipline on the defensive and the floor, Jack, then I, I, I'm perfectly fine with him playing a ton of minutes. But that was probably the development out of this situation that I paid attention to the most. There was no taking him off the floor last night, and Cal wasn't even considering it. We, we've talked a little, bit, a, a little bit about this over text. Um, what would be the mindset, and, and could you see an avenue for splitting them up and – Understanding that they both have their deficiencies on that end of the floor discipline, especially about, right now. Talking about Rob, right? Rob, and, Rob and Reed, and Reed together. Yeah. Is that something that should be? I, I know there is the dynamic of what they bring to the to get to the together offensively off the bench as a unit in the combined spark plug. But if there's a way to stagger those minutes to where. You get DJ and Rob, for instance, and Antonio and Reed. How, however, you want to mix it up. You know, if you go ado with Reed and Antonio, maybe to try to complement defense. However, you feel the 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 puzzle piece is working. Is that potentially the way to do it, as opposed to basically taking away all on ball defense and in discipline and and having them together? Yeah, and I, t I told you that. You obviously need the offense, offensive firepower that, that Rob and Reed both give you. And this is where just a lack of discipline. If you just can key in on the discipline things, like, and I don't know what goes on behind those walls and stuff over there and, and things. And they probably don't care about my opinion or, or anyone else's opinion because they're, they're just listening to what's going on within it. But to me, there needs to be a lot of just sitting down and just showing tape. And just and it doesn't need to be as much the good. It needs to be the bad. Show the bad for a little bit. Like there's there's plenty of good. And these guys know they're good. Like the made shots, the Rob Dillingham hitting back to back threes. He knows he can make shots. Show him the the breakdowns and lack of discipline on the defensive end. Show Reed how he was responsible for a lot of open threes. It was the same stuff when they played St. Joe's back early in the season that Cal literally just wouldn't put him back in the game because of some of the breakdowns late and giving up open threes and a lot of it being out of position and not in the right spot. I would, I would assume that those clips are being shown and there's somebody sitting down, 
but now there needs to be a, an effort to correct them and to not let it keep happening. And I'm not saying play perfect. There's going to be things like, I just think that that's probably the biggest thing. And if you can't do it, I don't know. Like, but last night DJ would have been on the floor more in some of those moments when, when Rob or, or Reed was doing things, it, you would have at least had an option. Kentucky needed them both out there last night though, even with some of the defensive concerns and defensive breakdowns that they had, you just, you couldn't go with some of the other combinations that they had. Jordan Burks got in for a short stretch and played his tail off and was ready for his moment. But that's something Cal typically doesn't do. If he doesn't play a guy first half, he's not going to stick him in when he did. But he got to a point where he's like, I need you, buddy. And you, you got to go in and, and do something. He did the one thing he was required to do. Give effort and be right there. And uh, this is an all-hands-on-deck thing on the defensive end, Jack. Then they got to get it figured out. Yeah. Um, something I don't have to get figured out is my trust in Fayette Heating and Air and H2O Maestro. Very excited to welcome our very new partner. Just uh, something that we have in the works. Very excited for them and uh, their team of experts ready to handle all your heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical needs to learn more or to schedule an appointment. Visit FayetteHeating.com, your number one complete home solutions company in Kentucky. And uh, Sean, as always, our friends uh, at, at game time have been just uh, just game changer for so many of us. I, I, it's been crazy because I think over the last couple of weeks, I've heard more and more people reaching out to me. Hey, what was that code? I, I know this Tennessee game is, is, you know, sold out. Is there any chance I can use game time? Like, People are asking more and more, so I know that they're listening, and I know it's a part of this. So I appreciate all of you guys that are, uh, you know, trusting us and trusting our judgment with, with game time because you don't want to be stressed buying tickets, uh, just like I'm stressed taking the headphones out of my ear. Uh, you know, not sure if the t seats are good, couldn't find last minute deals, the the deals stunk. You should not have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Now isn't the time for guesswork with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best, best price guaranteed. GameTime does all of the hard work for you. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last-minute seats. Uh, Sean, I mean, we have personal experience with uh, several different people that have bought through GameTime and used our code, so, um, you know. Shout out, shout out game time, man. They, they've been, they've come in the clutch for us. Uh, they absolutely have. And <laughs> going to come in the clutch even more because like you said, that that's a big game Saturday night. And, you know, I was looking at tickets and a couple of people reached out to me and actually asked me like, Hey, y'all still have the, the KSR code to, to get, you know, the, to get off the purchase there for on game time. And I said, yeah, we do. And uh, a couple of people have actually used it to, to get in the building you got another big one coming up next Saturday. Like you got some big games coming up here at Rupp Arena, and Game Time is the place to to go to get your tickets. And I will say, earlier today, I got a notification that said, you know, I don't know if it's just uh, obviously the the loss sucked, but if there is a positive takeaway of that, like. I got a notification that said tickets are down 17% for Saturday's game. So if you were looking for a chance to buy low for the chance to go see this team, hey, there you go. Just uh, hang out with our friends at game time. They're the absolute best. 
uh, find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. See the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All in prices show your total upfront, so you're getting a great deal before checkout. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps, and the Game Time guarantee means that you will always get the best price uh, if you. Find tickets in the same section of row for less. Game time will credit you 100% in 10% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Um, put up or shut up time, Sean. It's it's going to be a tough uh, couple of days quick turnaround because it was the Wednesday late night uh, tip off. So uh, they, they got to get things together, man. It's, it's going to be a, a tough couple of days of practice. I know Cal's going to get them uh, in the right mindset for a very, very tough, tough matchup here on Saturday. He is. And uh, I think they'll be raring and ready to go. I think Rupp will be rocking and ready to go. And, and if Kentucky gets a win Saturday night, then I think everybody kind of forgets about, you know, this one and, and what happened at South Carolina. And then that's kind of what hopefully – propels you and catapults you through the rest of the year and you can there's some games coming up here where you can really feel good about yourself if you can get them uh hopefully everybody enjoyed this episode and, and stayed patient i know i talked a lot probably a lot more than i than i normally do but i just i had a lot of stuff to talk about and i, I went back and you know i, I texted y'all earlier and I always go back and watch the game multiple times but this one, I found myself watching the same segments over and over and over and over and over again. And then I, I was putting myself in positions of like, okay, it's easy to go back and watch these moments and say, what would I do? Until you're in one of those moments as a coach, you don't realize how many thoughts are going through your head. So like I wasn't trying to criticize Cal and the staff for the decisions. Those are tough decisions to make. And that's where you need everybody collectively together on the same page, assistant coaches. GAs, Tyler Ulis, like we see his impact that he's having. And I think he's becoming even more vocal in these timeouts and in the locker room. And we're seeing that in some of the behind the scenes things that UK's given us. But the only thing that I would have done differently, and this is just me, is I would have taken that timeout up to to at least adjust where I wanted to go with the basketball and get fouled, but also to discuss what was going to happen on the ensuing possessions. If you have more time to talk about it, you can digest it and think, okay, should we foul? And if we don't, let's stay attached and let's make sure that we don't give up this. Do not help off anybody. And I just thought that, that this is a young team still who has been in some similar situations, but some new situations with last night. I'd need to go back and watch OT, and I need to go back and watch overtime at A&M too because they're, are they struggling to score in those extra minutes? That's another thing that we need to look at and see. You know how I am. I'm big on – getting right back in that same situation. Some people are going to hate this. I need another overtime game at some point between now and postseason play to see how Kentucky responds and if they can come up with stops or run some offense and get some stuff done. Maybe if it's not OT, there are going to be plenty of them with the closing four minutes of tight games. You're going to get this situation again. Let's see if Kentucky learns from it. That undefeated team started SEC play with back-to-back overtime games. It kind of set the tone. They won both of them. They – 
that was kind of a defining moment of them going into the back half of the schedule to say, all right, the, here's here's really what we're dealing with here. And if we're looking, for, you know, if we're going to be nitpicking numbers and using historical context to explain why Kentucky has no shot for eternity for the mindset of some some uh, humans. How about that 2016-17 team? What we remember in our mind as one of the most entertaining teams on par with this group uh, right now. I don't know if you remember, Sean, they went, uh, they lost three of four from January 24th to February 4th. I don't know if you're looking at the calendar right now, but basically right now is when they were going through their stretch and they uh, earned a number two seed, made it to the Elite Eight, were right in the conversation there at the end of the year uh, to, to make a run. Obviously, you can use some of the other teams a- a- across the Cal era. The 13 14 year started 15 and five, finished the regular season 22 and nine, made the title game. There's, there's always going to be a stat to defend your argument. If you really want to not believe in this team, you can go find that. If if you want to blindly ignore the tough reality of this team's got some stuff to take care of before we can start believing in them, you can go find those stats too. Just understand that our job is for some perspective. We're not here to say the sky is falling. We're not here to blindly say sunshine and rainbows. Everything is fine. Let's just, you know, move about about our our merry way we're in a tough spot this is a a make or break time of the season where things could really swift one way or the other in a dramatic way is it out of the realm of possibility for them to miss the tournament no they absolutely could if things really go south with those six quad one wins down the stretch could they win out and is there really uh, you know could you envision a scenario where they you know, turn into one of the most dominant teams in college basketball and make a run of the championship. Absolutely, there's, I mean, no doubt in my mind they have the talent to do it, and it's going to take a whole lot more than some, uh, you know, handpicked nitpicky stats to, you know, dissuade me from that. So, take a deep breath. It was tough, bad loss, tough loss, but life moves on. Another unbelievable opportunity on Saturday to right the ship. We'll, uh, we'll we'll regroup and be back at Rupp Arena on Saturday. It's going to be it's going to be a fun one, Sean. They're they're facing some real adversity for the first time, in my opinion. Like after Kansas, it was kind of a moral victory, and and we talked about it. Then after what happened against UNC Wilmington, it was kind of a, they weren't at full strength. They were working Aaron Bradshaw in. We talked about the mistakes that they made at A and M, but it feels like it now in this moment how they got beat in South Carolina, how the offense struggled for a couple of games, and then you get the offense going again, and then you lose a game in OT at home. It feels like this is the first time that there's some real adversity for this team to face, and not just adversity within its lock, you know, like in the locker room of trying to figure out how to respond, but maybe within the fan base too. Not not saying that fans are being like overly negative. I think that last night was an emotional game. It's easy to to get very caught up and get emotional in something like that. Uh, even on my end and your end, sitting there watching it and then kind of digesting it last night before you go to bed. This feels like the a, a point here where you can grow from it. And that's what I want to see from this team going into Saturday, and it's going to be a big one. Speaking of ignoring that noise, uh, number five there in the uh, rankings is UNC. 24 hours before Kentucky's lost UNC. Number three UNC lost to a, a 10 and 11 Georgia Tech team on the road. So uh, just just to kind of double down on how people are mindlessly making these decisions, the voters are just uh, blindly making these decisions. Ignore all that noise. Just let's just uh, take a deep breath. We'll be back on Saturday. 
we'll see what happens at Rupp Arena. It's it's a put up or shut up opportunity for the Cats. We'll see what they have, and uh, it's going to be a good one. We're looking forward to it, Sean. Well, let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR Plus. Join the message board. Join the community. Join the fun. We're having a blast over there. Uh, great, great month of January that we just wrapped up over there. Good, good. Um, you know, community is growing day by day. So we appreciate everybody uh, joining in on the fun over there. All the intel scoop that you hear here on this show. It always comes first on KS Board. KS Board eats first. So. Uh, appreciate all of you guys joining us over there, joining us here. Make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, all those fun things on the KSR YouTube channel. We'll be back, I believe, Sunday afternoon to hopefully break down a very important victory for the Kentucky Wildcats. We will see you then. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.